didn't hear that. The home folk is saying welcome, family, outside the realm of Warsaw, Indiana. And um, we appreciate you being a part of us and uh, doing what to, you can to listen and seeing what God has. And so we welcome you. We thank you for listening to us. Open your Bibles, if you would, please, to Mark chapter 4. <clears throat> And as we are seeing times that we are seeing right now, hurricanes, fires, earthquakes, huh, shall I continue? I heard one man say this week, uh, he don't attend church very often, his mom and dad does, and they, they, they tell him some things. He come around, he was talking, he goes, yeah, my mom was telling me about how things are wrapping up because of this happening. He says, I've heard that since I was a little kid. And I says... Yeah, you may have, but it says the intensity is getting stronger. He looked at me and he goes, I never thought about that. I says, it's just like a woman in, in travail getting ready to deliver her child. Christ is coming back. Well, he walked away kind of pondering on that. Christ is coming back, church. Amen. I mean, Irma, the hurricane that they've been talking about, when it was out in the Atlantic Ocean, they said, not a hurricane had been recorded at such wind velocity as it had. And I'm thinking, the winds and the waves are changing course, getting ready to deliver up the church. Amen. Aren't you glad he's coming back? Amen. And we got fires, all these things happening. The Middle East and, and all the things, of wars, the rumors of wars. Jesus is in still control, church. Aren't you glad for that? Well, Mark chapter 4, stand for reading God's word in home folk, if you would please. Jump down to verse 35. <clears throat> verse 35 said, on the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him in along in the boat as he was and other little boats were also with him and a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already feeling but he was in the stern asleep on a pillow and they awoke him and said to him teacher do you not care that we are perishing then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so fearful? Touch your neighbor and says, It's not time to be afraid. How is it that you have no faith? He didn't say little faith. No faith at this point in time. But then it goes on to say, and they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be? And even the wind and the sea obey him. Aren't you glad for Jesus? Amen. Touch your neighbor and says, thank God for Jesus. God. And you may be seated. Notice that as the scenario comes about, 
the storm had come in, the winds and waves that were, it almost sounds like what some of our country is facing right now, the southern portion of the country facing these hurricanes, the winds and the waves, people are talking about it, how horrendous they are, and the waves coming in and beating across the landscape, taking out homes, possibly life being lost. We should be praying for them. Do you agree? I mean, God has called us as a church to stand in the gap. Now is the time to stand in the gap, church. Now is the time not to be fearful, but to say, God, you're in control. Thank God for that. But the Bible says that they really didn't understand who Jesus was. Because many in the aspect of the scripture that we see from the gospels, they looked at Jesus as a rabbi, a teacher, a prophet, one that came from God, but yet they didn't know who he really is. Because it looked here as they seen the winds calm down, as they see the waves stop beating against their ship. They were fearful of the winds and the waves. But the Bible says after he calmed it, the Bible says fear exceedingly came over them. That fear was so much that they feared the storm. They feared the waves and winds. But they looked at Jesus and they feared him even more. They recognized, who is this man? Who is this that has been with us? Who is this that they say is a prophet, a teacher, that's one that's come from God? But he's more than that church. They feared. When Jesus called that, the Bible says they marveled. They wondered. They was astonished at what took place. All of a sudden, at the word of Jesus, things calmed down. Aren't you glad he knows how to speak to your heart? Aren't you glad he knows how to speak into your situation? Aren't you glad that he didn't go to sleep on you, but he's waiting for you? Because the Bible says he's making intercession for you and I now. Thank God for that. They were surprised. They looked at him and says, who is this? They were talking amongst themselves. Jesus put it to him this way. You have no faith. You really don't know who I am. It begs to ask the question, do we know who Jesus is? Do we truly take him at who he says he is? Or do we take him just as what the word says a little bit and just take just parts? Can I tell you that he is Lord? Let me say it again. Jesus is Lord. Amen. We must understand he is not just someone that came from God and walked on the earth and now he's gone. He is risen. He is Lord. Amen. He sits on the right hand of the Father making intercession for you and I. See, Jesus, when he displayed such power, he displayed such authority. They looked and said, who is this person that can the elements even come under control? They didn't understand who was with them. They feared the storm, but now they looked at one that controlled the storm. There's an old song that says, I know the master of the winds. I know the one that controls the waves. I know the one that set the sun in order and it comes up every day, but he controls it because there was one time in the Old Testament they was in a battle and they said, God, stop the sun. 
in its orbit right here so we can win the battle. He knows how to even stop the sun if it's necessary for you. Yes. Fear gripped their hearts. They were fearful. And the Bible says just not just regular fear, exceedingly, abundantly, over so much they looked at him with amazement. The question is, who is he? What matter of man is this? Because they asked the question. Let me ask you a question. Who is Jesus in your life? In the last few years, uh, there's not been much teaching of who really Jesus is. He is more than a savior. He is more than one that was born and we celebrate on Christmas Day. He is more than one that went to the cross. He is more than what we can imagine or even think, but he is Lord. Amen. So many times we put a title to him. He's Lord and that's all we take. But we never put him in the right position. We never put him in the place that he really deserves. We never put him on the area because he is Lord, not just title, but in position. And if he is Lord, he has control. He has authority. He has all things under his feet. Can I hear an amen? amen. Men, many call him Lord. And one day they'll stand, but Lord, Lord, we've done this. And they said this and that. But Jesus said, I don't know you because they don't have a relationship with him. We live in a church world today that there's no power because they don't put Jesus where he needs to be. He's the one that created the church. He's the one that died for me. He's the one that rose again for me. He is Lord. Yes. Yes. We need to make him Lord in our lives. They were astonished at what was going on. They looked at him. Who is this? And even the elements, some of them were fishermen. They understood what would take place when the storm would raise and rise up on the waters. The boats would do this. They were fearful that they would drown. But when you got Jesus on your boat, you're okay. You may even have it overflowing water. But it'll never sink. You may be having storms in your life right now. You may be having waves hitting you and rocking your boat. But I'm telling you, the anchor, Jesus Christ, is still there. Amen. Your boat will not go down. Right. <laughs> it'll go through. Notice what Jesus did. They come and woke him up. He was sound asleep. There's times that Jesus gets silent and even in your times when you're going through situations. You're wondering, God, where you're at? They went to him. Hey, don't you even care? We're up here bailing. They thought maybe he'd come up and start bailing. Maybe he started looking. But what did he do? He looked at the situation and he brought a calm. He brought peace. That's what he wants to do to you. If you'll make him Lord of your life, he'll bring peace to your situation. It may be raging, but all of a sudden when you put Jesus where he needs to be and you say he's Lord, he comes in and brings control. What does Lord mean? I'm glad you asked. Because it means someone with authority, control, and power. Someone that is Lord means that they are the master and ruler. But there's so many that have not made Jesus master and ruler of their lives. 
They've given their lives over to a Savior, but they've never gone further than that. They've never surrendered. They've got a lot. I see a lot of people claim to be Christians, and they say, I'll never let anyone tell me what to do. See, Jesus, when he comes in your life and becomes Lord, he is in control. He's the author and the finisher of my life. He is the Lord of all. Go to Matthew chapter 28, if you would, please. Verse 18 spells it out very well. Jesus said something, and we must take note of what Scripture gives us. Not many are teaching this today. They want the crowds because they said, we want the big people to come our way, but they don't want to present because if people would submit unto the mighty hand of God, things would change. See, when you make Jesus Lord, there's power in that midst where he's at. There's authority. There's control. The enemy cannot overcome Jesus. (laughs) Thank you, granddaughter. She agrees. 28 verse 18. You got that on the overhead there? There it is. Let's read it together. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me where? And where? On earth. All authority. Say he's Lord. Jesus declares what has taken place after the resurrection. All authority. All authority. Do you understand what that means? He has control of everything. Whatever you're going through, Jesus, if you'll make him Lord, he has control of what you're going through. He is my healer, my deliverer, but he's more than that. He has all authority. Acts chapter 2, go to there if you would please. Verse 36. Notice what Peter says. Now, this is a different talking of Peter now. We see where that we see from what they was in the boat. Who, what manner of man is this? Notice what Peter said. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made Jesus, this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Messiah, the anointed one. But more than that, he's Lord. He is Lord, master controller. He is my Lord. I have given him everything. I have submitted my life to him. If I hadn't, I wouldn't be doing the things I do. But I know who's in control. A lot of Christians, a lot of people that claim to put a title on him. Yeah, he's Lord, but they've never made him Lord of their lives. They've never submitted unto his leading and his guidance, what he has and what God wants in their lives. Jesus is Lord. All authority has been given to him now. Go to Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Notice the road that we see that the Apostle Paul speaks about that we must do even to be saved. Verse 9 says that if you confess with your mouth, confession is declaration, declaring, confess with your mouth, The Lord Jesus. Say the Lord Jesus. Jesus. 
and believe in your heart, being fully persuaded, fully convinced that he is Lord, that he is in control, that he has everything. But there's a lot of people only put Jesus as a title and they put him as this Lord in a title, not position. I don't want to have to submit because I don't want to have to do what he's called me to do. I don't want to have to believe everything that he said he would do. That when you come under his auspices, when you come under his lordship, he leads you, he guides you. But notice this, he says, and raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The lordship of Jesus in this aspect was after the resurrection. When Jesus rose from the grave, he was Lord over death, hell, and the grave. He went to hell and took the keys. He's got them. He's in control, church. He's in control of my life. He is the Lord of everything. We're coming to a place when so many have heard so many good things about him, but they never made him Lord of their lives. And they wonder why they're battling. Make him Lord and see what he'll do. You'll be amazed just like the disciples were. Thank you, Father. The Lordship here is linked up with that resurrection. Thank God for the resurrection. But I just don't look at the resurrection. I look and see who he is. He is a risen Lord. I don't fear death no more because the Lord raised from the dead. Matter of fact, I don't fear when everything starts happening like we're seeing in America today and across the landscape because Jesus got things under control. He's coming back, church. Thank God. Jesus is Lord. That means he's part of the Godhead. When you make him Lord, that's divine. And you make him in the sense that he really wants to be and he must be in our lives to fully take on what he says. He is part of the Godhead, the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. That means that he is sovereign. When Peter said this, revelation came to him. He's not just a man walking upon this earth. He's not just a man just to tickle my ears and give me some good news and that's it. And we're seeing that. We've got so many uh, uh, motivational speakers across the platforms anymore that people don't know that Jesus is really Lord. They just want to feel good and leave. That's it. They want to be entertained. That's it. But Jesus is Lord. And one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Now is the time we get the gospel message out of truth and not just as binding up and just making me feel good. Jesus is Lord. He's sovereign. He's the Godhead. He's part of that. He is my Lord. Have you made him your Lord? The question we must ask ourselves, have you made him your Lord? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Many call him Lord as teacher. I understand that. But Jesus is Lord of all. Acts chapter 10. Turn there if you would, please. Another transition in scriptures we see here. We see what was going on here. And this transition as Peter was transitioning from one aspect of what God was calling for. Verse 34. Then Peter, Peter opened his mouth and said, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted 
by him. Verse 36 brings everything into context. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. Then he goes on to say, he is Lord of all. Not just of Israel, not just of the Jewish nation, but of the Gentiles, of the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He loves the world. He loves the world. But the reason why so many have not turned, they've not seen the Lord Jesus in many lives. They only heard words, but they never see that they are under the auspices of Jesus himself. When Jesus tells you to do something and tells you to go and operate that away, someone says, no, no one's going to tell me what to do. When Jesus is Lord, you better be under his control. You better go when he says go. You better do what he says do. I've had to learn the hard way. I don't know about you. I'm not going to do what somebody tells me to do. I'm going to do my own thing. But I've learned the hard way. That's not a pretty picture. I had to go through some things. God had to teach me that he's Lord. He's in control of my life. When I surrendered, see, this is the key. Surrendering to God. Giving God you. God, I'm yours. Try me now and see. See if I'm completely yours. From heart, mind, and body. There's a lot of people that don't take God at his word. <clears throat> they just seem to think that God would just be the Savior all the time. But there comes a point in time when you don't put him Lord. When you don't make him Lord, how can he protect you? How can he give you what he has? I recognize him. There he is. And then you really put him at a far distance. Because it's all you do is give a title. We have a president. There have been many over the years. And we put a title on him. And our country is led by sometimes what they do, good or bad. And we've seen some good and bad. But they get a title, and they've been given that title. Jesus has not only been given a title, but the position. He sits on the throne, church. Amen. Let me say it again. He sits on the throne. Amen. Jesus is Lord. The reason why the church has not been effective in the way that God really wants it, because they've not really made him Lord. It's time we make him Lord of our lives. Let me put it to you this way. He's the Lord of this house. Because I placed him in that position. And no one's going to take him off of that. If he says go one direction, we're going to go. If he says we need to move this way, we're going to move. If he says stand still, we'll stand still. Because he's in control, church. And when you make him Lord of your life, and make him master, controller, manager even, if you want to put it this way, then you become under what he desires. Far too many people are looking to other things and making gods out of so many things. God is just a general term. When they say, yeah, we need to pray to God. What God? But when you bring Jesus into the picture, when you speak Jesus' name and you speak him as who he really is, he's Lord, that brings things into different perspective. That brings things into not just God in general, but Jesus is the Lord. Not by title only, but position. Peter recognized that. 
He went from one transition of saying, who is he, this man, to now speaking to the house of Israel. Jesus is Lord in Christ. And then he comes to Cornelius. And then he declares to those that went with him, says, he is Lord of all. Not just of one, but all. Thank God he is the Lord. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 17, verse 14, he is the Lord of lords. Not just Lord, but Lord of lords. He's over it all, church. He has authority. We need to look to him. Come under him. God, I'm yours. You know what? What happens when he becomes Lord of your life fully? He becomes exalted. The Bible says when Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit, he says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And what will he do? What was the first thing that the Holy Spirit's going to do? He's going to give glory to Jesus. He's going to lift up the name of Jesus. When you allow Jesus to be Lord of your life, there's certain things you won't do. Won't go, won't say, won't speak. There's certain places you won't go. Too many times people seem to think you're talking about holiness. Yes. We're separate. We've been called out from among the world to be separate, to be close to him, follow his leading, his guiding. I won't allow certain things in my home. Even if my kid says, let's do it. I say, it doesn't line up with the word. It won't happen. If somebody tries to bring something in, it won't be in my home. Because why? If you have not made the Lord Jesus, the Lord of your home, it will show. You have no power. You have no protection. You have no sovereignty of God himself in your home. Have you ever gone to those homes where you feel things are kind of cold and different? The temperature is just not right. But then you go to other homes, you can feel the temperature. Oh, this is comfortable. Wow, there's such a peace here. See, when you, you want to exalt his name, when you, you come under the auspices and, and the lordship of him, you know what you do? You commit yourselves to obey him and him alone, not another. You obey him. Let me talk to the spouses for a minute. If you have a spouse doing things that they shouldn't be doing, and they try to get you to come out along sin, you need to obey the Lord Jesus Christ. You just say, I'm not following you. You may go do it, but I'm not doing it. That may be what you choose, but I'm not choosing that. Come under the leadership of Jesus Christ himself. That's where you commit yourselves to obey him. That's the reason why you put priorities and you need to tell others. There's a lot of people don't put priorities before God. I mean, to God, they put priorities of making everybody else appeased and, and pleased. But when you put God first... Church time, I'm there. Prayer time, I'm there. Devotion time, I'm there. Prayer time, I'm there. Listening to the right music, I'm there. Listening and watching the right shows, I'm there. Because I want to be obedient to the things that he gives me. If he tells me to go, I want to go. If he tells me to stay, I want to stay. You become obedient, committed to the things of God. You put your flesh to the side. Say, God, flesh is weak. Spirit is willing. You need to say, God, give me a strength in my flesh. And he will. He will. Third part. You not only commit, exalt, but you really, really submit. You come under and say, God, you're my Lord. 
Whatever you want for my life, I'm willing to come underneath and say, yes, Lord. But far too many times we see in the church world, I'm not doing it. I want pleasure. They love pleasure more than they love God. I've never seen such a time when things start happening. Oh, it'll take away my enjoyment, my time of uh, entertainment, my time of doing what I want to. When you are a true believer, he's in control. If he gives you that time, great. But if he doesn't, follow the leading of the Lord. You're no longer your own. You've been bought with the price. Can I hear an amen? amen? He paid the price. There's some benefits when you come under the leadership, the lordship of Jesus Christ. One, I find that he's the first and the last. But you walk with him. Jesus won't walk where he's not placed in the right position. Jesus won't sit where he's not placed in the right position. There's a lot of things going on in, in America today. They have put God's idols above the Lord Jesus Christ. And when there's an idol that comes before Jesus Christ and before his lordship, and you wonder why my kids are not coming under the things of God, wonder why my friends are not seeing the things of God, wonder why my coworkers are not seeing the things of God, because you have not yielded yourself to the things of God. You lift up doctors, you lift up this one, you lift up this entertainment, you lift up this one, far greater than what Jesus is. We should be talking about Jesus more than anything else because he is the Lord in my life. I walk with him. I talk with him. Somebody should write a song. <laughs> you want to please him. God, does this please you? Even in the dress well, that's not part of what is happening today. It doesn't look good. It's not fashionable. You know what? Is God pleased with what I'm doing? Is God pleased with the way I look? Is God pleased with the way my thoughts are? My, my actions? Is God pleased in, in my... See, you may hide a lot of things from people, but Jesus knows who you are. Jesus knows what's going on in your life. The other thing that I noticed with the benefit, you not only do what he wants and he leads you right. See, when you, point number one, something he does when you're doing all these things, there comes revelation. There comes some things of revealing. There's, some things, there's times that, God, I don't understand what's ha what you're saying here. And I go to the Lord and I open the book I look at it and I says, God, this is spiritual. This is not natural. I understand that, but I need to understand it a little bit deeper. And all of a sudden he starts showing me. One of the things that I noticed and I spoke about it when David was in the midst of a battle and he was fighting the Philistines, he got thirsty. His natural wanted something. His natural desired something, water from the well of Bethlehem, but they didn't have control of it. And all of a sudden, some of his men, his mighty men, went over and got some water that he maybe filled his thirst, his satisfaction come. And what did David do? Can you believe what he did? He poured it out unto the Lord. Far be it, because I'm looking around. Wait a minute. These went beyond the cause, the beyond, because they desire something for me. He poured it down the Lord. There are times when you desire something, you need to say, God, not my will, but thy will be. Pour it out unto the Lord. Amen. 
He becomes the Lord of your life. You commit yourself to him. And then all of a sudden, he starts revealing things you never thought. He starts talking to you in a different way. He starts waking you up at midnight to two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning, start pouring things into you. I had some people says, don't you sleep well at night? I says, I would if he wouldn't wake me up. <laughs> but he wakes me up. I used to say, Lord, let me get some sleep. But anymore, I'm saying, God, just pour it in. Pour it in. You'll give me rest when I need it. Pour it in. He will. He reveals things to you. And in the day and age we're living in, we have a lot of revelation not around anymore. But God says, I want to speak to my people. There's things he wants to show you. He wants to reveal to you for your family, for your situation, for the things that's going on around you. Another benefit that I notice, when you can't defend for yourself, the Lord comes alongside you. Notice what the disciples, they couldn't bail fast enough. They couldn't get the water out fast enough because the winds and the waves were so enormous. And so they feared them. We're going to perish. Jesus, don't you care? Woke him up. Jesus, defend you. What did he do? Peace, be still. Calmness came. The winds, he rebuked them. Peace, be still to the waves. They calm right down. Your situation, can I tell you, let me put it in just a terms that where the rubber meets the road, he'll fight for you. He will go for you. But if you have not made him Lord, if you only give him a title and that's all you've done, then you've not given him the opportunity to come alongside you to be over the things. See, if he can stop the sun, if he can move everything under heaven and earth, if he created it, he knows how to come alongside you, protect you. He will fight for you. He will protect you. When dangers come, the Bible says he is my fortress, my High tower I run. His name I come underneath. But far too many people have not given Jesus the lordship he deserves. And they wonder why their homes are a wreck. Wonder why things are happening in their lives. You have no peace. You're in torment. Let him be the Lord of your life. When evil people or evil spirits come... The Bible says in Psalms 27, 13, it says, when they come, they will stumble and they will fall. Because they can't stand underneath the things of God. Third area that I see, when I have a burden or I feel a heaviness. How many ever felt that before? The Bible says he will carry it for you. Casting my care upon the Lord, for he cares for me. But pastor, you don't know what they've done. You don't know what they have done. There's two things I noticed from scripture. And I know he owns it all. But there's two things it talks about that, that belongs to the Lord. The Lord says, it's mine. The tithe and vengeance. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And if you try to take vengeance upon yourself, then you take away the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Vengeance is mine. I will repay. Amen. Same way with the tithe. With you take away the tithe from God, God can't bless you financially. God can't give to you financially. The windows of heaven are not open then. They are closed. I like what Brother Nathan said. If there's so much in heaven that God just opens the windows and it overflows, how much does he have beyond the doors? Let him be the Lord of your life, church. 
in everything, in everything. Don't put just a title to him, but give it to him. One thing I notice, as you give your burdens to the Lord, in Psalm 55, 22, he will not permit the godly to slip and fall. (laughs) Thank you, Lord, you carry me. Thank you, Lord, when I'm in a slippery, slopey place and I can't hold my footing, he comes underneath and girds me. He comes along and says, I carry you now. Praise God for that. Let me shout on that one. Because in a world we're living in, they don't know what to do. They don't know which way to turn. You can pour all kinds of money into it. Money will not take care of certain things. There's so many people that are trying to say, we as humans, we create all these issues. We create this. But I'm telling you right now, I'm not strong enough to create a lot of the issues. I don't have it with me because that's humanism. That means I'm a God. I'm not. There's only one God. There's only one Lord. And there's only one we need to look to and come underneath. If we'll do that, if we'll come underneath the Lordship of him, you watch. He'll come alongside you and people will notice a difference. You know what it really means? You fall in love with the Lord. I heard a preacher say this, and I liked what he said. I heard him say it a few times. I got to hear it again not too long ago. As a matter of fact, when we was on vacation, we was listening to this preacher. Man, it was good. He said, I got to get that book he wrote. And um, he was talking about that. Before he met his wife... He dated around. But it says when he married his wife, you want know he told the other lovers and other ones he looked at, the other two-legged ones? He says, I no longer chase after you because I found the one I want. I'm in love with my wife. I forsake the others to be hers. You know what they're saying when you say, Jesus, your Lord? You know what you're saying? I'm married to the Lord. I'm forsaking all others. I have fallen in love with God. I have fallen in love with the Lord. As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we love the Lord. And the Lord is preeminent in my home. He has the preeminence in my life. There's a preacher friend of mine that pastors a church for a number of years. He's no longer pastoring in that church, but he is, his name is Rick Clendenton. And he's from Kentucky. And he said that when he went to pastor this church, he was there the first Sunday, got up to preach. He felt the presence of the Lord and things were moving good. He says afterwards, he was greeting people in the foyer and he was sitting there and this one guy come up to him. He didn't know who he was. He's just standing there and all of a sudden, That guy looked at him, and his wife pulled up in a nice car, fancy car, expensive car. And all of a sudden, that guy looked at him, and he says, if you play your cards right, you might get to drive that, and maybe I'll even give it to you. He didn't know who he was. Rick Clendenton, the way he was, he looked at him, and he says, well, if I played cards, I wouldn't play with you. (laughs) Because I don't play cards, and I don't gamble. And let me say to you, there's only one Lord in this house. Oh, that made that man mad. 
All of a sudden, his wife had to come in and get him because that man was mad. Because he says, you don't know who I am in this community. You don't understand what I can offer you. You don't understand what I can give. He goes, yeah, I know. But you're a man. But I serve the Lord. Come to find out that man was the richest man in that area. He was a multimillionaire. Had given money to the church. Had given money galore. And he got mad thinking he could control this preacher. Thinking he could control this pastor. <laughs> but the pastor had things right. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the wife turned and he goes, I thought he was going to hit me. <laughs> when he left, he told his wife, he said, I thought he was going to hit me. And after he found out who he was, because he started inquiring, who is this guy? Well, he's the one to give all this money so we can have this thing paid for. He says, you know, I thought I would, if I go to a church with a millionaire or whatever, he says, we'd have it made. He says, but I tell you, they like control. They got all the money and that's it. He says, so on Tuesday, he was in his office. Guess who come knocking on his office door? That man. That man come in. Preacher looked at him and says, hello. He goes, can I have a talk with you? Yeah, have a seat. Had a seat. He says, did you mean what you said to me? He says, yes, I did. He says, because I don't serve man. I serve God. And he is the Lord. You may have all that you have. But he says, I know one that has it all. He says, and you mean what you say. He goes, you're not like the rest. He said, I could buy them. He says, I want what you have. In his office, he knelt down, gave his heart to the God. Within six months, that man passed away. He had found out he had cancer. But if that pastor, if that preacher had not stuck to his guns and say, I serve only one God, I serve only one Lord, and he is the Lord of everything. And that's what I'm saying to you and your family. You need to put God first in everything of your life. Yes. If you don't, then he can't be Lord of all. Yeah. If he is not Lord of the little things, how can he be Lord of the big things? Yeah. Yeah. There is a, in the second century, there's a bishop in Smyrna. His name was Polycarp. He was a disciple of John, the Apostle John. And he was a bishop of this church, of this group of believers. They come to him, the Roman authorities. And he was 86 years of age at this time. Still pastoring. I'm telling you what, you don't get too old to keep doing what God says to do. And they come to him and they brought him before the authorities. They dragged him in. He says, Caesar is Lord, and you need to confess it. Now, if he would have confessed that, it would have saved his life. You know what Polycarp did? Because he had already found Lord, and it wasn't Caesar. He says, no, I will not. I will not bow. I will not kneel. It's just almost like the three Hebrew boys. <laughs> Oh, king, you can turn the furnace up all you want to, but we will not bow and we will not burn. You can throw us in all day long. We're just going to pass on. You want to have the polycarp? They murdered him. They killed him. But you know what happened to his church? Oh, it exploded. Because the believers seen that he would not come under somebody else. 
but come under the lordship of Jesus Christ. We're living in a time when everybody says, I go to this place, I go to that place, and they go for different reasons, but they never come underneath the things of God. They never come underneath the lordship of Jesus Christ. And they wonder why so many things are happening in the community. Because the Lord has not come in with his fullness, only a title. You can speak Jesus' name all you want to. There were seven sons of Sceva that said, in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches, I rebuke you. Because <laughs> you speak his name doesn't mean you have power. But until you come under the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and say, God, you are my Lord, my master, my controller, you have all authority. You have all things. You are my Lord. That's what God is desiring. Submit, commit yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ and see what he will do. But many times over my life, God says, let it go. Let it go. And there's things I really enjoyed. I used to enjoy go hunting. I used to enjoy getting up and going. That was my passion. I loved to get out and go hunting because I loved being outside. One day, God says, lay it aside. But Lord, I'm not doing anything wrong. Lord, I, I enjoy this. Lay it aside. Now, right now, I've not been released to go hunting. But every once in a while, I go in these gun stores. I go, ooh, I could have that gun. I could go chase after that deer. I could chase after that rabbit. I could go chase after the quail. I could go do this. But I said, God, I'm yours. I'm yours. When you find God to be Lord, he may ask you to say, let it go. Now, you may come back to it. You may be able to do it sometime. But when it becomes so overwhelming in your life that you skip out on who the Lord Jesus Christ is, that's when God says, let it go. When something is over, sat overwhelming to you that you can't even sit around and talk to somebody else without, oh, your ear going towards something else, you got to question that. Is the Lord the Lord of your life? Or is that taking prominence? Is that taking first place? Let me put it to you this way. If God doesn't have first in your life, he's not going to take it second best. Let me say one last thing. Jesus is Lord. Amen. Say that with me. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Well, you make him Lord of your life now? There's a lot of people that have not. One day they'll stand before him. They've only put him in a title. Never put him in a position. They only give him a name. Giving somebody a name, that's it. But until you give him that authority in your life, he can't be the Lord of your situation. And you're going to have the storms rage then. You're going to have the waves hit you. You're going to have things, and you're going to be so fearful of that more than you are fearing the Lord himself. Let your kids be the Lord's. Far too many times people put their kids above God even. Let God have your kids. I love my kids, but God knows how to deal with them more than I do. <laughs> you can speak all day long thinking they're going to hear me. I'm going to direct them. You know what? They're going to do what they want to. 
But when the Holy Spirit comes and the hound of heaven hounds after them and starts howling after them, God knows how to get them. God, you're the Lord of my life, but let them see it in you first. To make a disciple is to have them follow you. Are you following rightly? Are you going after what God wants? If not, you need to stop and say, wait a minute, Lord. And you need to turn around. You need to turn to the Lord. Say, God, I have not fully made you the Lord of my life. In other words, on your heart, put him on the throne of your heart. Let him be the Lord of your life. Stand to your feet if you would, please.